So, well, we have really had a blessed time, and um, Kathy, thank you so much for being here. And uh, Kathy just um, has this ministry of bringing people and releasing people into encounters with God. That's the way I see it, anyway. That can be chariot rides or, you know, whatever. And so I just really appreciate your ministry and want to bless you. Thank you for coming. So let's just give her a hand as she comes up here to speak to us. Can we help you today? Okay. Oops. Good morning. Well, we had a great conference. If you weren't here, you really missed something. Um, Because if if you're not uh, familiar with my ministry or whatever, uh, I believe the realm of the spirit, the supernatural realm, the angels, heavenly visitations, the chariots of God is our inheritance. And so that's what the conference was all about, getting into that. Um, Because that's supposed to be normal. Let me just ask you guys, are you going to Johannesburg? Oh, Okay. Okay, well, look, I want to give you a contact in Johannesburg. Now, in Johannesburg, this is something you can pray for because there's a lot of warfare over it, and Bob Jones told me there was going to be a um, lot of warfare over it. And um, in Johannesburg, there's a couple who inherited from their grandfathers some huge, huge gems which were given to their grandfathers by the Zulu kings. I mean... They have, a, they have rubies that are like this. And they're working out a deal right now with some banks. I don't understand all the financial stuff, but they're uh, with some banks in London where they, they lease the gems, you see, and they're, they're um, interest, whatever, will bring to them when they work this deal out, because there's a lot of warfare. I mean, somebody ran off with one of the gems. They had to go to Hong Kong to get it back again. So, um, but it means that their interest will be $35 million a month. And they said, oh, we'll just give it to the church. We don't need it. We've got a house and a boat and a car. We don't need anything else. And so, can you imagine that we'll, what we'll do for the churches in Johannesburg that are struggling? $35 million a month. And so there's been some terrific warfare. So if you think of it when you're praying, you know, I'm not telling you to go pray things out of your head, but if you think about it when you're praying and it comes to you, pray for them and pray against the hindrances and the stuff that keeps coming up to block it. So, and I, you know what, we need to believe for more of that. Because like I said yesterday, God has put things in people's heart. He's got put places in people's heart. And it's not the will of God that you can't do what he says because of lack of finances or something. And so he's releasing... I mean, getting that poverty spirit off people, I keep talking about it because I hate it so much, religious old poverty spirit. Um, I I said yesterday, you know, you come to church, you you can say anything. I can stand up here and I can talk about trees and dogs and cars and whatever, but if I say money, it's like... (laughs) Like money is an evil word, it's not. It's just a commodity. And you need it! And the body of Christ needs it and we need to get some finances into the body. So I mean it's something serious to pray for because if there's a lack of finance, there's a serious hindrance, isn't there? There's a serious hindrance to what people can do. So um, whether you like it or not, I'm so sorry, but you have to prosper.
I tell people I always see, um, you know, I always get this kind of picture. I don't know why. When I talk about the poverty spirit, I always see someone with a little dog because people love their little pets and they treat this thing like a pet. You know, they bring it to church, come on Rover. They don't take it out to the mall, but they bring it to church. Come on Rover. This is our seat. Well, there's someone sitting in our seat. Bite them. <laughs> so that's something we, re- you re- we really have to get rid of. Um, a poverty spirit doesn't only affect your finances, it affects your spiritual life. keeps you on a low level of the spirit so that you go in and out of the spirit, you just get a touch from God occasionally. Well, you know what? The... the Abundance of the Spirit, you live in the glory. And uh, what this weekend has been all about is learning how to live in the glory. God, you know, that days of... Um, sometimes people meet me at the airport and they say, we're so glad you're here, we just need a touch from God. And they say, no, you don't need a touch from God. That's okay if that's where you're at, but that's not what God has for you. God wants you to live in the glory. That's your inheritance. And guess what? You don't have to pray for God to send his glory. You already did. It says from glory to glory. Not from yuck to a little bit of glory and then if you qualify to a bit more glory. He already gave his glory to the church. 2 Corinthians 3, it says that from glory to glory. What happens is it just gets covered up by religious stuff and yucky stuff because if you've ever been in a revival, who's been in a real revival? I've been in several, but... What happens is the Spirit of God moves and people start to get set free and delivered. And when that happens, what happens then? Oh, they begin to shine a little bit, don't they? People begin to kind of glow. And then there's usually another wave of like deliverance and um, people begin to shine a little more, kind of glow a little more. So the glory begins to be revealed. Understand? That's what happens. That's how it works. I've been in revivals. That's always what happens. It's when people yield to the Lord and he just takes over. And one of the first things he does is start delivering people. Deliverance is always one of the first things that happens in a revival, whether people realize it or not. But uh, one of my books that I have here is is on the Hebrides Revival, Brighton Channel Revival. That's all eyewitness accounts. But the Hebrides Revival, they received that revival by faith. I mean, people beg and plead and whine and carry on and pray for years for revival, but they don't receive it. And when you pray, God responds. When these guys pray, they, I mean, there was one pastor and he got six men from his church and he said, listen, this place is dead. Now, the Hebrides Islands are a little group of islands off the coast of Scotland. He said, this place is dead. He said, um... There's all the young people are out in the world. He said, all the young people are in the bars and in the dance halls and ever. And he looked at them, he said, you're dead too. He said, and I'm deader than you, we're all dead. So we need God to come. And they got into faith, they prayed in a little barn by the side of the road three times a week. And they called out to God and said, God, you've got to come and do something. And uh, guess what happened? God responded. Because when you pray, God responds. And God said, okay, and he gave them what I call the revival scripture. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. So they said, that's interesting, I'll write that in my Bible. 
They said, got it! See, that's the difference. When he responds, you get it. Mine! And they stopped praying. When God answered, they stopped praying. See, when God responds to you, it's done, isn't it? It doesn't, it's not done when you see, it's done when he says it. So they stopped praying for the revival and they started to declare, God's coming. Because they said, see the Scottish, anyone got Scottish ancestry? The Scottish have always had a revelation that God is a covenant keeper. Always they've had that through the centuries, you can see that. So they said, okay, it says, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, we did that, seek my face, done that, turn from their wicked ways, we did that, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. So they said, right, we did that, so now he has to do that because he's a covenant keeper. You see, so when he answered them, they fulfilled their end of it. They prayed, they saw his face, and so they said, right. Then they started telling everyone, God's coming. You need to be in the meetings because God's going to visit us. God's going to heal the land. God's coming. There were two little old ladies. Remember the other night I talked about God's wild grandmas? Well, these two little ladies, in their 90s, in this little house, they were really old, they couldn't go out much. And they started to pray too. Man, when those grandmothers, you know, those wild grandmothers get hold of God, you better watch out. Because things will shake, rattle and roll. You know, I've seen a whole county change because of one little grandmother. She's feisty. Feisty. You've got to be feisty in the spirit too. You have to be bold. So these little ladies started to pray, you know, and God gave them a scripture. It wasn't the same one. I will pour water on dry land or something like that. They said, right, got it. And they started telling people, God's coming. God's coming. They continued to pray, but they weren't praying for the revival because they already got it. But they began to pray and ask God how he was going to do this. And God told them he wanted to use Duncan Campbell, who's a famous Scottish preacher. So they told the pastor, Pastor, you need to send for Duncan Campbell. So he sent a telegram, they didn't have emails then, to Duncan Campbell and said, God's going to move, God's going to visit the islands, can you come and preach in the revival? God told us you're the one that's supposed to preach. So he sent a telegram back and said, well, I'd love to come and preach, but my itinerary's full and you pray and I'll come next year. So the pastor tells the little ladies... And the lady said, well, you better tell him that God's coming in two weeks. (laughs) And they started praying again, but they weren't praying for the revival, they were praying for Duncan Campbell. Well, guess what happened to him? His whole itinerary fell apart. This place where he was going to have a big convention. The county had taken over all the hotels, so he had to cancel. Then he thought, well, I might as well go to the Hebrides. (laughs) So off he came over on the ferry, you know, to the Hebrides Islands. And uh, he preached the first night, little church in Barvis. And he preached, nothing much happened. 
But after the meeting, one of the elders said, don't worry about it, Mr. Campbell, because I can hear the sound of heaven's chariot wheels. Now, I heard those on Friday night, and I saw them too. Something is very imminent here if you can receive it. You know, these aren't the days when you can be a Sunday morning Christian because God's looking for some serious investors in the kingdom. And I'm not talking about money, I'm talking about you. And your money. (laughs) Somebody said to me a while ago, famous preacher said, you know, Kathy, if, if someone gives God their wallet, you know God's really got them. Anyway, so, um, um, like I said, this man said, I can hear the sound of heaven chariots. Well, so the, about 30 of them went to this little cottage to pray. And uh, these guys are like little angels sitting there, aren't they? <laughs> They've been awesome. They've been like glue. <laughs> like magnets. Okay. Great, wonderful. Anyway, so, <laughs> what happened then? Oh, oh yeah, then. So they went to his cottage to pray. <laughs> started to pray. <laughs> Sorry. Oh! <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> um, oh, well, I got a wave then. It's been really wavy up here. Okay. Oh! <laughs> whoa. Can you feel that? It's like, whoa, waves. Okay, so where was I saying? Where did I get to? Chariot wheels. Okay. So they went to this cottage to pray, and um, Duncan Campbell saw the anointing come on the blacksmith, which I know his son, and um, all these eyewitness accounts are in that little book if you're interested in revival. But, um, so Duncan came and asked the blacksmith to stand up and pray and they remembered the prayer because it was the first declaration prayer in the revival and he prayed, you know, the Scottish are very like down to earth. They just say it like it is and pray it like, like it is. So he prayed something, I mean I could read you the prayer, but you said you would pour water on dry ground and we're dry. And you said you'd heal the land and it needs healing. And he kept saying, you said, you said, you said. Then he ended up by saying, and what's more, your honour's at stake. Because they told people what he said. And when he said that, the whole town physically shook under the power of God. When they came out of the prayer meeting, people were laying in the street under the power of God. Now listen, whole towns were saved. The second night, I'm talking about villages, small towns. The second night, there were 600 people at the priest station trying to get right with God and confess things and repent of things. So the police, they knew they sent someone to come from the church and there was a 17-year-old boy that God powerfully used in that revival. His name was Donald McPhail. I knew him quite well. He just died recently, but... um, he came over, he would just pray one prayer and the presence of God would fall. On towns. How about that? And he hadn't been really saved very long either. So, this presence of God fell on towns. I spoke to people that told me the presence of God chased people in the bars 
in the dance halls and people would run out. They'd run to the church. Everything would stop. They'd be in the pub and the presence of God would come into the pub and people would be putting down. I've seen that happen myself. We'd be trying to put down the drinks before it got to them. <laughs> and it was so real. I actually talked to people that told me themselves, we packed up and we left the islands till it was over. Because if we stayed, God would get us. And the presence of God literally chased people. Now listen, they received that revival by faith. They didn't plead and beg for like 20 years. They got into faith. They said, right, he said. He said, so they did begin to declare what he said. See, there's so much, when you get under the anointing, there's so much power in your words. No idea. The devil's biggest fear today, this morning, is that you might find out who you are and see, he'll do anything, the devil will do anything to keep you out of the anointing. He doesn't care how many Sunday mornings you come to church. Who care less? Keep you busy. Like I keep saying, keep you busy doing good things. Going in circles so you miss the God thing. Very easy to do. Because, you know, America, everyone goes to church on Sunday. Well, that's about all they do is go to church on Sunday. But you see, God wants you in the anointing. He wants you to live in the glory and live in the anointing because that's where his power comes through you, is in the anointing. God doesn't want you to speak for him. He doesn't want you to work for him. He wants to speak through you. That's what the anointing is all about. It's not what we do, it's what he does. That's why you don't have to qualify. That's why he can use the kids. He can use anybody that's willing, anybody that's available. He's not looking for your ability, he's looking for your availability. Don't have to be, don't have to go to university, you don't even have to go to Bible college. You just have to be available and love Jesus. And the good news is the spirit of revelation is here for you. The spirit of revelation is here for you. It's not what you know in your head. You know, I had so much theology, I didn't know what to do with it. It made me run away to Australia. I had too much theology. But it's what you know in your spirit, what you get imparted to by the Spirit of God. Now, see, I've been saying over the weekend, if you weren't here, is the CDs? If you weren't here for Friday and Saturday, get the CDs because it's all about how to live in the supernatural and that you know what there isn't any other way to live is there not that it's fun anyway it's no fun not living in the spirit you live in the Holy Spirit that's fun because you get to have adventures you don't know what's going to happen you don't know what you're going to do tomorrow that's, I'd say that's fun some people don't think it's fun but I think it's fun but I, I, I see there's going to be such an increase in signs and wonders. There's going to be such an increase in the demonstrations of the power of God. If you don't like the demonstrations of the power of God, you're definitely not going to like this revival that's coming. You won't like it. You'd be very offended. Because you're going to see some things you've never seen before. 
you know, and you're going to have to sit there and wrestle with that in your mind if you don't know how to get in the anointing real quick. So you'll cut things off just because your mind doesn't, you haven't seen that before. You better be able to get a witness in your spirit really quick. Understand? Because sometimes your mind won't tell you anything. It's just going, shh. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. We were in a... <laughs> we were David and I, we did this retreat on a little island called the Isle of Wight, the south coast of England, with this group of people, this church, and we had a move of God. I mean, it was great, you know. But in that evening, the situation was there was like a little chapel, and it was kind of attached to this, like, um, guest house. And the guest house was run by Christians. So in the evening, we'd had a meeting in this chapel. Good meeting. It was good. The spirit was moving. But then the meeting ended, and people drifted into the guest house to get tea. They're English, so they drink tea. And a sandwich or something. Well... We were in this little guest house, David and I, and suddenly we heard this shrieking and these footsteps running and people saying, Come quick! Mr. Walters, come to the chapel! So we went running in. We think, you know, thought someone had died or something. Well, there was a young boy. He was about 14 and he'd been saved that day. He got saved that morning. He was kneeling on the floor. Now, he knew nothing about this afterwards. He was kneeling on the floor... And around him was a circle of teenagers because they'd stood there and just continued to worship. Suddenly the spirit fell. He's on his knees, his eyes are closed and his fingers like this. And he's slowly turning like this. As his finger got opposite each person, they hit the deck and started getting delivered. And see, people were trying to leave but their feet were stuck to the floor. And they couldn't leave. So that's why they were shrieking and screaming. <laughs> but ended up, we just watched the last few people, you know, hit the deck. And we thought, man, well, that was powerful. They started repenting of some stuff and everything, getting delivered. Well, then, so we just thought, wow, that was really neat, you know, powerful. We went back into the guest house, and suddenly we heard this noise like a train. I don't know if you ever heard that sound. It's scary. It says a noise like a train. It was the presence of God beginning to come from that chapel into the guest house. Now, I saw people, it was so real as it got closer, I saw people trying to put down their cups and plates. And suddenly, this wave came over people like, and everybody hit the deck. People were on the floor, repenting, uh, getting delivered and after about half an hour it kind of like passed over you know so we thought wow you know, it was powerful the neat thing if, you, if you're ever in anything like that sometimes there's a lot of repentance but nobody really remembers <laughs> you know nobody really remembers anything so it doesn't matter <laughs> that's why the Lord often you know, I mean, I've known little kids give words to major leaders that were like, God said, if you don't, by this time, 
but they don't remember it afterwards. Don't care. They're not that interested. I was with a little boy one time, and his parents had, were in this coffee shop, and this pastor came over to say hello. The little boy said, "That's not your wife." <laughs> the lady ran out. But you see, he didn't think anything about it. It's like, can I have a hot chocolate? <laughs> anyway, so well, we thought, well, that was really powerful, you know. Well, suddenly we heard all this commotion upstairs and the, this train noise, Holy Spirit, had gone up the stairs and woken up all the children in their beds. They all come running down the stairs, repenting things to their parents <laughs> under tremendous powerful anointing. See, God doesn't leave anyone out. We leave people out. We leave people out. No. No, we have more. I, you know, I've never been... I've never been in a church in my life that had so many sound effects as this church. Man. From mooing cows to buttons to trains, I don't know what else you got. (laughs) You're crazy, you people. You're not so. (laughs) Couldn't stay religious very long, could you, in this place? There's a lot of religious spirits that we dealt with Friday and Saturday. If you weren't here, please get the CDs. Then you can enter into everything God has for you. Anyway, we've been in a lot of moves of the Spirit like that, seen a lot of those kinds of things. And I know that that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I could tell you things that make your hair stand on end. But it's nothing what to what's compared to what's coming. I remember in one meeting in our church, this little boy got up. I thought he was about eight, but David thinks he was about 12. His name was Stephen. In the middle of the meeting, and he, he put his Bible on the floor and stood on it because he read something about standing on the Word. <laughs> and he put his handkerchief on his head. I don't know why he did that, but he did. And he just sang, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And this wind rushed into the building, not 250 people off their seats. Because God can use anyone. The days of the one man show is over. It's not going to be anointed like that. You can't... I have a theory. I think in America... I, you know, I class myself as an American now. I've been here 31 years. I think that's long enough to qualify. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I'd be careful what I say. <laughs> I don't want them to stone me or anything. But Americans, you see, I believe Americans tend to idolise people. And I, I've got a theory why, and that's because America really doesn't have much romantic history like England and you know 
And so I think that's why they tend to do that. Um, and that's why we kind of get, end up with these like superstar people in the church. So the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, instead of just being somebody ordinary that equips the saints, becomes somehow this like person. I'm not saying we shouldn't honour people because I believe you should honour people and acknowledge their gifts and callings and everything. But it seems sometimes to me way over the top. You know, and you know what? It's the day God is bringing forth the body because he's deposited his life. Jesus deposited his life in every sheep. And guess what? He's looking for a return. When the rubber hits the road... And he says to you, what did you do with the anointing in your life? And you say, my church didn't like it. It's not going to be an excuse. I hate to tell you that, but it's not. You know why? Because you have the witness in your own spirit. You have the anointing within you. And you're responsible for that witness in your spirit. It's there to teach you. The anointing is within you to teach you truth. Well, I sat in this church, you know, for five years and I was deceived. Well, hello, you didn't listen to the witness in your spirit then. And that's a shame, but I mean, people haven't been taught to do that, so I'm not blaming them. Because the leaders haven't taught people, you need to listen to the witness in your own spirit. See, I, I prayed for thousands of people that got into control and deception. And they said, well, you know, I sat there for six years under this tremendous control and everything. And... I don't know why I did that. Because now they've got to get delivered from it all. And I said, I know why. They'll tell you why. Because when I heard this, you know, I felt... You know what I mean? You can hear something in your spirit. you like... Because somehow it's like not bringing out anything in you. But then people think, well, who am I? I'm nobody. I mean, he's a great teacher. So they went on to receive something that was like poison to them in the end. And the days of that is over, you see, because God's going to ask you what you did with the anointing in your life. You have to listen to the witness in your spirit. That's why he's there. Why does it say you don't need any man to teach you? It obviously doesn't mean you don't need teachers because God has put teachers. But guess what? You have to listen to the teaching. Either it brings you up to a higher level or it puts you down into another one. One or the other. Understand? You can't say because somebody else didn't like it. You have to fulfill that destiny. I told people the other, the other night, you know, you have to see what Jeremiah saw. By faith, you have to see what God sees for you personally. What does he see for you? you, you have a, we all have a very shrunken vision, probably. But if by faith we see what God sees, whoa, there'd be no stopping you. See, because you will aim for what you see. You can't aim for what you can't see. Is that right? You know what you're doing? You'll be going in circles. So there's a destiny, a calling on your life. I'm not even talking about your family. I'm not even talking about your wife and your husband right now. I'm talking about you personally because it has to start with you. And you have to see that destiny. You have to see the whole picture. 
God will show it to you if you just get into faith and wait on God. He'll show you and I dare you to believe it. If you start to believe it, oh my God, you'll come out of your box. See, most of the people in the body of Christ, that's not, that's not them, really. What you see is not really them. Because they've been put in a box. They put themselves in a box sometimes. Because we tend to see ourselves through, the, through our family situations, the church, the Sunday school teacher, the school, the teach. you know what I mean? And that all affects how we see ourselves. And sometimes there's things and parts of people's personality even that's locked up especially in church because it's considered maybe unreligious. You know what I mean? So when you get set free, when the anointing comes, you begin to get God conscious and not self-conscious. And that's what breaks that box. And you find out sometimes when the anointing comes really strong, you're quite different (laughs) to what you thought. (laughs) I saw a really interesting program on TV listen to this this has nothing to do with being a Christian but this lady she was 35 years old had a family but she was in a car wreck and she was unconscious for about three months when she came back she had no memory now basically she's the same person right she didn't kind of switch people But her husband said on this program, everything about her was different. She suddenly liked all these bright colours and she was always like a grey and black and brown lady. She wanted to do all these wild things. She wanted to go skateboarding. (laughs) He said, and her family was like, whoa, what's happened to (laughs) mum? She suddenly wanted to travel, which she never did before. She wanted to do all these things. But you know what? I think things were unlocked. Because that boxy was like taken away. I think it'd be good to break some boxes this morning. I do. Because you see, you can't be free if you're not really being who you are. You know what I mean? See, there's a kind of wildness in people. Not a bad wildness. Sometimes it comes out in the kids in a bad way. But it's kind of wild. What the, what the wildness is, is actually a spirit of abandonment. Because everybody really wants to abandon themselves to something. Don't they? I mean, that's people's desire to be, have that abandonment. Some people abandon themselves to drugs, don't they? That's an abandonment. If you get overtaken by drugs, you abandoned yourself to it. Some people abandon themselves to money. People abandon themselves to all kinds of things. Well, how about abandoning yourself to Jesus? Yeah. All you can do is have fun. That's right. All you can do is have adventures. I mean, awesome. Do you know people out there, if you get really free, people out there in the world are really jealous. They might not like your religious concepts, they might not like you talking about Jesus or whatever, but they just really want that same liberty. What you have to do with your liberty is keep the joy and not judge people. But everyone's drawn to that. 
If you have a spirit of abandonment, people sense it. See, those people, they've got to have something, got to see something they want, haven't they? They're not interested in your religion, sorry. They're not interested in you giving them some religious information. But if you have something good, like a spirit of... You know what? If you have a spirit of abandonment, you'll have the joy of the Lord. Because you'll be having adventures all the time. Won't you? Got honey. Well, really strong. Is it strong? It's all sticky. (laughs) Make you drunk. Yes, it was. My hands are sticky. Oh, okay. Where did I get to? <sighs> the joy of the Lord. Yeah. See, listen. You should be intoxicated all the time. I believe. If you have a spirit of abandonment. Listen, the worst thing, one of the worst things that happens to Christians is they lose that childlike capacity to enjoy God. I don't care how long you've been in the ministry. I've been in the ministry for 35 years. I've been in revivals, awesome revivals. But God always told me that. He always told me, Kathy, never lose that childlike capacity to enjoy God. Because he loves that in you. He loves that about you. Anything that takes that away, you need to deal with. Kick it out, whether it's religious concepts, religious thoughts, <coughs> false burdens, false responsibilities. I talked about all, all of that in those, those CDs. Every wrong mindset is a weight. Everything that doesn't set you free is a weight. Understand? Listen, in Ireland, in the 5th century, there was what they called the Peregrini. The Peregrini, talked about them in my Celtic books out there, the Peregrini were from the monasteries because the monasteries in the 5th century in Ireland, they would have like three or 4,000 students. And they were like our Bible college. It wasn't monastery like we think where everyone's tucked away. No, they preached the gospel with signs and wonders, raised the dead, all that stuff. But there were some of them, they were called the Peregrini, and they would go to the shores of Ireland and they would get in a little boat. The boat had no oars and it had no rudder. And they trusted God to send the winds to take them where they were supposed to go. I'd say that was a spirit of abandonment. Wouldn't you? That's what they did. They were called the Peregrini. I think God wants to release a Peregrini spirit in this place. I said the other day, see, how many of you been out on a limb before? Three, four people, that's good. It's not hard to go out on a limb, really. It's when you hear the sound of the saw behind you. Then you have to believe underneath are the everlasting arms. See, some people really inside, they say, well, I want God, but I don't want him to interfere with my life too much. That's no fun. What fun is that? Boring. Yeah, that's why the kids love signs and wonders. Kids love signs and wonders. 
Man, I want to see something. It's okay to want to see something. Well, you mustn't follow signs and wonders. Why not? It's my dad. I want to see. Yeah. <laughs> if he's doing something, I want to be there. So, one of these journeys, Brendan, who was a seaman actually, he was a monk, he's very scholastic. He had, and his guys, they were in a boat, you know, and they had that peregrine thing and they went out to sea and they came after several weeks to this island. Because they would come to different, God would take them to different little islands. They came to this island, and as the boat came up to the shore, there was an old man standing there. And he said, I've been waiting for you. And as they stepped ashore, he named them all and prophesied over them all. Then he said, I can go now. Pray for me. So they prayed for him and he gave up his spirit to God and left. And that's how they all died, by the way. God would give them an invitation for a certain day in a certain place. And when they, they all died like that, that was the revelation they had. I think we need to get that back again. Yeah, we do. It's our inheritance too. God would give them a, a, an invitation for a certain day in a certain place. It was called the place of resurrection. Because Patrick wanted to go to his favourite place in Ireland, but the angel over Ireland, Victor, said, no, you have to go to the first place you preach. That's your place of resurrection. And when the day came, they would go with their friends to the little chapel bless one another, pray for one another and give up their spirit to God. That's how they died. I think we're supposed to get that back in the church, don't you? Few people that still happens, they get that revelation. I think it needs to be released. Don't you? That's how we're supposed to die. I believe it with all my heart. believe it. It's an invitation. It's a celebration. Whoa, yes, I can feel that. <laughs> See, them without us are not made perfect. And us without them are not made perfect either. And they've got some revelation back there. That we dropped the ball somewhere. And sometimes I see on the internet, you know, with this great end time church with all this great revelation, and I, you know. Well, that's good. We do have some revelation, but there's some which we dropped. And I did some research for Mike Bickle, you know, in the Bangor Monastery, because that's what he bases his eye hop on. At the Bangor Monastery in Ireland in the 5th century, there was 4,000 monks there. But they had 150 years of non-stop prayer and praise. And when I did this little booklet for him, I got this thing on my emails you know, saying we've had this great breakthrough because we had three and a half days of non-stop prayer and praise in our church. Well, that's okay. But they had 150 years. <laughs> Slight difference. <laughs> 150 years. So amazing. That's awesome. Patrick, you know, raised the king's two children from the dead. That's how he won Dublin to the Lord. That's how they won the cities. It's the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead, dwells in you. 
see, Jesus was totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. He never acted out of his own sonship. He acted under the anointing just the same as you can. Have you ever thought about this? When Jesus was in the tomb, he could not raise himself from the dead because he gave up his, he gave up his authority as God. He was completely dependent on the Holy Spirit to come and raise him from the dead. If the Holy Spirit hadn't come to raise him from the dead, he wouldn't have been resurrected. Because the same spirit that came and raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The same one that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in your mortal body. So what are we going to do with it? Come to church on Sunday, you know. Go out to lunch and <laughs> watch football. Check it. So the devil doesn't care what you do. I don't care how much you know. He could care less. You can go to 25 prayer meetings every week. He could care less. As long as you don't get in the anointing. It's only, you have to remember that. It's only the anointing that destroys the yoke. It's only the anointing that affects God's kingdom. It's only the anointing that affects the devil's kingdom. All your religious head knowledge won't do anything. It didn't do anything for me except make me backslide and get engaged to someone in the mafia. <laughs> I'm not going to go on this morning because I think God wants to release that peregrini spirit. Um, I want to read you something. Oh, okay, it's in here. Listen, I want to read you this. Because um, one of the things, you see, when, if you get under the anointing, you start to live under the anointing, the power of God begins to flow through you. Now, the power of God always, always brings some kind of change. In other words, if the anointing is flowing, something has to happen. If the presence of God is somewhere, something has to happen. It's not possible to have, oh, the presence of God and nothing happens. That's not possible. I'm sure some of you sat in, you know, church years ago and, and someone would pray and say, no, the presence of God is here and you'd be like, yeah, where is he, you know? Why doesn't he do something? That's what I used to think. I used to think, well, why doesn't he do something? <laughs> it's true. If God's here, something's got to happen, hasn't it? <laughs> it's true. It's true. If God's here, you know... We say things out of a religious because that's what we're supposed to say the presence of God is among us well if it's among us well something's got to happen then <laughs> it's like you know I mean we play so many religious games you know it's, we do I remember what, before I spoke to the spirit before I came into revival myself I used to read about revivals in those good old evangelical books you know what I mean? They're dry and dusty. I used to read about these revivals because we're all supposed to want revival. 
and I'd read how people would pray for 25 years. And the revivals that I read about didn't sound fun to me because you read about how these people groveled and crawled around, pleaded and begged and wept, you know, for like five months. And it sounded like a lot of misery. And I said to God, you know what? I don't have 25 years to pray for a revival. I don't have that kind of patience. I said, and if there was one, I don't think I'd like it. Because they just give you those certain things to read, don't they? When I got food with the spirit, I read about revivals with Whitfield and Wesley where there was joy and people rolling around the floor and speaking in tongues and laughing. We never read about that in my evangelical books. But you see, under the anointing, you have power. That's why the devil hates the anointing. That's why he would love to keep you really busy doing good things and miss the God thing and you don't understand anything about the realm of the spirit understand that's why oh just you know well don't bother me too much you know I've got to get home at three o'clock I've got to get I mean got to get to the restaurant before the Baptist it's true When, when a revival comes or God moves, you know what? Your schedule goes up the creek. There ain't no schedule anymore. I know people that were in a revival for four years. Every night. The earliest night they ever, ever, ever went home in four years was two o'clock. I want to tell you something about Jesus' voice. You see, because his voice wants to flow through you. That's why it's not trying. I mean, it's not trying. It's not working out. It's just yielding to the anointing. And letting his spirit flow through you and letting his voice flow through you. That's why I said we don't speak for God. God doesn't want you to speak for him. Thanks all the same. He wants to speak for himself, but he wants to speak through you. Different. That's difference. I want to tell you something about his voice. This is what happened when Jesus spoke. Some of the things, this is all from the Bible. His voice is powerful upon the waters. It was like thunder. He spoke and the streams and rivers wound their way across the earth. He spoke and the rose began to blush. The violets cast their fragrance and the birds began to sing. This all happened through his voice. He spoke. It breaks the cedars. This is all in the scriptures. It's in my little book. It breaks the cedars, divides the flames shakes the wilderness, makes the hinds to calf, discovers the forests, and sets the mountains in their place. How would you like things like that to happen when you speak? His voice stills the seas, doesn't it? Have you ever spoken to a storm? I'm sure you've been practising. His voice shook the earth and melted the hills. 
He spoke and calmed the storms. He spoke, listen, he spoke and gave life to the dead. He spoke and brought healing to the sick. See, healing can happen when you're under the anointing and you speak the word. Brought strength to the weak, forgiveness to the sinner. Herod could not kill him. The Pharisees could not confound him. Satan could not trick him. Sickness could not withstand him. Devils could not stay near him. The waves could not draw him. The rabble could not disturb him. Death could not corrupt him. Hell could not keep him. The grave could not contain him. God highly exalted him and gave him a name above every name. Do you know that same spirit can move through you? That same spirit that moved through Jesus and spoke to him can speak through you. But you know what you have to do? You have to really work at it and strive and try and beat yourself up. No, you have to believe it. That's the only requirement, is that you believe it. That's the only qualification, is that you believe it. I mean, if you speak and you don't believe what you're saying, nothing's going to happen. But if you know who you are, that's why I started off by saying the devil, he doesn't care what happens to you. He's not interested in you. He's only interested in stopping you getting in the anointing. That's his only interest. Because if you get in the anointing, that's why a little old lady in her prayer closet can have more power than the great big evangelist on the stage. Maybe he's putting on a show. I don't know. These days people put on a show. You know. And it's all going to come down because the body's going to rise up. The body's going to rise up. God wants his church back. God wants his church back. And he's going to be drawing out all those giftings and callings and anointings in you. A new little person, little lady that's never sat there and done anything much. Well, guess what? Those little ladies are going to the nations. <laughs> this lady said to me, I never did anything my whole life except teach Sunday school and look after my children. And she said, this last year I went to five different nations. I was shocked. <laughs> yeah. He's ready to go. There's a great call on North Carolina for the nations. But you know what? Don't be taking your religion and giving them that. I've got enough American religion around the world. And English, English religion, that's even worse. But get some life and get your joy back and have a spirit of abandonment to the purposes of God. And have some fun. People might want that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was walking in the street one day, this man, I was singing, you know, how you walk along, sing. This man jumped out of the bushes. I'm like, he said, listen here, young lady. He called me young lady. He said, what's that in your face? I said, 
What do you mean? He said, well, what's that in your face? What's that in your face? So I was happy, and I said, well, it must be something to do with the Lord Jesus. He said, my brother's Jehovah's Witness. He doesn't have that. He said, what is it? Now, several people have said that to me. People want to see something. They want to see something. So you have to get free in the spirit, get free in the anointing. Have fun. Enjoy the Lord. Enjoy the Lord. That's all he's asking. And let's say what I've been telling people to say. Snuggle, don't struggle. Nestle, don't wrestle. Let's do that and then I'll quit. There's some really good books out on the book table. Don't forget to come tonight for the miracle service. If you haven't been here, this um, I said a few books, Living in the Supernatural. There's some other things. I didn't mention this. This is spiritual abortion, this set of CDs. If you've been in a church or ministry where there was a move of the Spirit and it got aborted, how many of you have been in that? That's why that happens and how that happens. And if you understand that, you can get rid of that abortion in your life because it tends to hang around and abort other things. The Hebrides Revival book is out there. Well, I had fun. Thank you for having us. Awesome people. Oh, Sharon. Come, Sharon. We just want to tell you. We just want to tell you about a couple of things. This is Sharon. She tries to keep me in order. That's impossible. <laughs> um, next week, Kathy's going to be doing a Seer conference at Light of Christ in Marietta, Georgia. Yeah, a Sears conference. And it's just Saturday, but you need to spend the night because it's going to start at 10 o'clock in the morning and go until about 5 in the afternoon. So if you're interested in that, just call me or see me today. And um, also she's going to be doing some meetings in Greensboro if you live in that part of the state um, in two weeks at the Marriott, I believe it is, but that's also online, or you can just call me, and um, we'd love for you to come. We love you all. Bye. The one-day Sears conference in Atlanta next week, is just all day Saturday, is for people that uh, have a Sears prophetic anointing or are interested in that. It's training especially for the Sears prophetic type people. It'd be kind of personal, much more personal. It'd be times for questions and answers, and I'm going to pray for everybody and stuff. So if you're interested, see Sharon and then Greenville the next week. Um, I, I want to do. I do want to release that Peregrini spirit. Um, oh, oh, the change is gone. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Because we had. Ch- if you weren't here, we had change. You know, and we all danced through change. Hey, listen, Uh, have you been listening to the news? Every five minutes they're saying change. The whole thing, the whole thing of this election is change. Who can do the change? 
I mean, five, this morning again, Fox News, every five minutes they talked about change, every five minutes. So that angel of the change that came here, he's working in the government. Everybody is becoming now the candidate who can really convince people about changes that they're going to make. Yeah, the angel's still working. So anyway, before I do that, I want to release this Peregrini spirit and everything. And um, but before I do, I want to give you an opportunity to um, invest in our ministry, like we're investing in yours. I don't like offerings. I believe in investments. You are an investment, actually but also what you have is an investment. So I want you to hold up your wallet and your purse because I'm going to release good news over that. This spirit of good news should be over your finances, your bank accounts. There's been lots of supernatural things happening and God's just been paying off people's credit cards because it's not the will of God that you're in debt. Good news. It's a good investment. But just say, I'm an investment. And we've got to do one thing that I haven't done yet before we do this. Hold up your Bible. If you haven't got it, put your hand on someone else's. Say, devil. devil. See this? Mine. Mine, mine, mine. Turn to your neighbour and say, honey. See this? Mine. Mine, mine, mine. Because, listen up, there's nothing in here that you can't have. There's nothing in here that you can't have. If you can read about it, you can have it. Wait, I'm going to pray. I want to pray. Hold up your purse or your wallet, whatever. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release the spirit of good news over people's finances today. Thank you, Lord, for increase. Thank you, Lord, their channel of blessing to other people. So I just pray for the increase. You're a God of increase. You're a God of faith. So I release the spirit of faith so that people give in faith in Jesus' name. And thank you, Lord. We're all an investment. You're an investment. This church is an investment. So thank you, Lord. Your sheep can hear your voice, so just listen to Jesus, okay? And you can make your investment to good news. If you haven't got your checkbook, turn to your neighbour and say, can I borrow your checkbook? What? Whoa! Woo! There's something coming off him. Woo! Oh. Woo!